The views and opinions expressed during this show do not necessarily reflect the, the policy, policy or position of any affiliated workplace or employer. The views and opinions of the show do not constitute recommendations for therapy. Please, Please contact, contact a licensed SLP for individual consult on your situation. Please listen carefully. What is communication? An essential behavior of life. We have the both blessing and responsibility of trying to foster another. It's transmitting a thought from one person to another. It's the strongest way for two people to convey information to each other. The back and forth between two people. Communication is a lifeline. Just connection with other people. Connecting people in terms of ideas or thoughts or names. Draws us out of ourselves, draws us into that relationship, you know, builds up our families. Without it, we'd be lost. Whatever it is that we do to express intent and achieve an impact. Communication is the ability to express your needs, wants, frustrations, and desires to anyone that you feel needs to have that information. Welcome to Speech Science, episode number 138. Five seasons, 138 episodes. We are glad you are here. My name is Matt Hott. I am a school-based uh, speech and language pathologist and also work in home health care for dementia and stroke rehab. Joined from Philadelphia, Michael McLeod, a private practice SLP focusing in uh, executive functioning. Right, Mike? Yes, sir. That's me. Uh, and then our other SLP focusing on the pediatric side, Michelle. She is, uh, as she said last week, she is in Texas this week looking for a home back in the state she left. Mike, you weren't here for a week or two. Welcome back. Yeah, it's been yeah. a while. How are you? Things are good. We have the uh, the brand new addition to our family. Uh, so now we have a one month old since last Friday, uh, and it has been an absolute whirlwind. It is, you know, the the greatest thing of all time, yet the most difficult thing of all time. Dude, uh, I, and it has been, yeah. I, I'm so Go happy ahead. for you. And I told my wife, like when we had our first kid, that I didn't understand what true love like unconditional mm -hmm. true love was until mm -hmm. like the baby. And I always tell my wife, I'm like, if someone murdered you, I'd make sure they go to jail. But if someone like <laughs> bumped our kid on the sidewalk, I might murder their whole family. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like that. That's pretty much that's that's the truth right there. So how are you sleeping? How's mom sleeping? How's baby sleeping? I laugh uh, at that last one, but yeah, pretty much as uh, pretty much zero sleep. Uh, <laughs> You know, you you finally do fall asleep, and then you're getting up for a changing. You're getting up for a feeding. Uh, it's definitely a team effort. So, you know, my wife and I do it together, and we're in it together, and it's tough. You know, luckily we have a a, a very you know fairly calm, happy baby. Uh, so everything's good on that front. Uh, but it, it's it, it's a challenge. It's a challenge. I'm a, I'm a deep sleeper, so I don't always wake up for every cue and things like that. But uh, it's a lot. It's a lot of diapers. It's more diapers than you can ever imagine. Estimate you have the, the diaper genie? We do not. What is that? Oh, the diaper, the diaper genie. All right. So it is basically a trash can that you open with your foot and it creates like an airtight seal so that the smell of a hundred dirty diapers doesn't just come wafting through the air. Uh, we have some pretty good diaper pails. I don't okay. know if it's the diaper genie. I don't know if it says as uh, same as idea. Core as that. But yeah, we got some pretty good uh, some pretty good garbage diaper <laughs> <Right>. garbage. Yeah. <laughs> uh, man, we were talking off air, and you were talking about how like the sniffles and all of that. 
So my oldest, when he was born, um, well, he was, he was about three years old and his belly kept getting bigger and bigger and tight, like a basketball. Wow. And, okay. and something, I thought something was wrong. So we go to, and you know, we go to the emergency room and they're like, Oh, we think it's this, but you know, if it happens again, come back and we'll, we'll take a greater look at it. So we go back and like less than 12 hours later, and I found out that the emergency room doesn't charge you if you go to the same emergency room within 24 hours. And uh, his belly is like twice the size now. And they do the x-ray and it's full of air and they think they see something in his throat. Mm. And I was like, oh my God. So they're thinking that something is like caused a hole. I don't even know. So like, they're like, can you drive him to the like the main hospital? And this is like three in the morning. So the whole way down, I'm in tears thinking something is wrong. How old was he at this time? He was about three, maybe four years old. Oh my goodness gracious. So I get him down to the emergency room like two or three in the morning. I have to help hold him down while they're doing a nasal scope down oh him God. to see what's down there. They do another uh, x-ray on the throat, do all this. Um, yeah, it was a bone that they saw from his shoulder on the x-ray so there was nothing in his throat and the reason he was getting so much air in his belly is because he was trying to learn how to burp really hadn't figured it out yet wow but in wow. that moment i had gone through all of the emotions of oh my god something is seriously wrong with my kid yes, yes. and no he just couldn't burp and then he learned how to burp and we never had that problem again yeah, you you never you never really know the power of gas until you have a baby. Like oh. there's like the my baby is in a constant state of trying to poop or trying to fart or trying to burp. And you don't realize when they're so young, they don't yet have the muscles to do those things. They can't burp on their own, they can't fart on their own. So they're no. filled with so much gas. And you have to do these bicycle kicks. You got to lay them on their side. You got to massage their belly, poke their belly. Uh, and they're in so much discomfort because they're just filled with so much gas. And it, you know, they're so, they are literally just dependent on you for everything, including these bodily functions. Right. So it's, it's just, it's, it's a, it's, it's tough. It's tough. Uh, have you heard, have you and your wife heard of a nose Frida yet? Yes. Yep. Got Have that. Have you heard of the poop version of that? Yes. <laughs> yes. So there is so one. I believe we've we've tried that one time. So for those of you that are uh, lucky or unlucky enough to not know what we're talking about, a nose Frida is basically a hose. You stick into their nose and then you suck the boogers out. And it's the same idea except one goes in the butt to help them poop. And our we never needed one to our third child. So... The mm. fact that you've already found that miracle worker, uh, at least it's been a miracle worker in our house. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's definitely, it's not easy to use. No. I can definitely uh, tell you that much. It's tough, but uh, but you work through it. And whatever you got to do to, to get your child to not be so uncomfortable anymore, that's the, that's the number one thing. Welcome to fatherhood, dude. That is, the, that is your life goal now for the next 900 years. You got that right. Uh, for me... Uh, nothing nearly as exciting. We went to state for the state bowlers, finished seventh. 
Nice. Um, and I'm officially on. Thanks. And I'm, I, I did a whole lot standing there watching them bowl. Um. <laughs> I actually just started working with a uh, teenager who's really into bowling. Okay. Yeah. So I, I might have to have him hop on a session with you sometime. Yeah, that'd be fun, dude. And also yeah. you can get him to watch the big Lebowski. Oh, yeah. Kingpin. Kingpin. Yeah. Um, so we <laughs> finished a little while. Right. We finished seventh there. Uh, and then I started spring break. So I'm just picking up a few extra patients this week and okay, I'm doing all the stuff that I've been meaning to do that I haven't had time to do. And the weather today was 30 degrees. So uh, some of that's not happening. Freezing today. Absolutely. It freezing. is really cold. Yes. And it was freezing yesterday. I, uh, we had one beautiful day last week where I was outside the whole day having a great time. I text my friend who I golf with and I say, hey, the weather's nice now. Let's uh, let's go golfing. Yeah. So I went. So we went golfing yesterday, and it was windy and freezing, and it was terrible. Yep, yep. that's the way it goes. Uh, we want to hear from you at home. Check in with us. Go to our website, speechsciencepodcast.com. You can email us six one four six eight one one seven nine eight. Did I say email us and gave the phone number? You can call or text that phone number. Yeah. I don't think you can email that one. Uh, email is speechsciencepodcast at gmail.com we've also got the merchandise.speechsciencepodcast.com and discord did you see michelle had her baby in speech science gear when does baby McLeod get into speech that science was awesome gear? that's a great point i gotta i need to get on that <laughs> she needs to she needs to be a walking advertisement i i was waiting until we had this show i'm going to post this up soon but my wife sent this picture to me and it is oh, my boys it. and girls all in their speech science gear. Wow, look so. at your older one, dude. I holy know, right? Holy He's like a teenager. I know. Don't tell me that. He's seven, but yes, That's he's crazy. He's almost like a teenager. And he's discovered Fortnite. So oh, I think boy. I've lost him. Well, <laughs> you've definitely lost him if he's playing that game. Nah, he and I play it together. We have rules that so that we can only really play it at the same time so we can monitor what's going on. Ooh, okay. See, that's an, that's an SLP parent right there. And it's more of a treat versus a babysitter. So, yes, I like that. I've let Minecraft kind of turn into a babysitter though. Minecraft's different. You right. know, if, if if there if there is gonna, if there is going to be a game that they're going to be obsessed over, let it be Minecraft. Right. Yeah. I figured he's learning something. I don't I don't know what. But yeah. It's something. It takes a lot. It's not the kind of game where it's like, there's not, there's no like toxic community and toxic oh, other people, true, true. Cr creativity building. Uh, if there's going to be, if there's going to be a game that they're going to play excessively, let it, let it be that. True. Yeah. On <laughs> thinking of toxic gaming on today's episode, there is no smooth transitions at all today, gentlemen or ladies and That's gentlemen. Right. That's right. So uh, two, two male SLPs, really, really representing the field today. Oh my goodness! We've got our head the news headlines. We're also going to check in with Asha and a new study looking at language samples at home versus in person. But we are one year into the pandemic, so Mike and I thought we would. Uh, look back, review kind of what it's been like for us uh, in the pandemic that we've lived with you guys through your radio. So we appreciate you welcoming us into your homes or in your cars or your therapy clinics. Uh, but it's been a weird year. And, you know, the fact that we can do this recording on a Monday at 1.30 probably speaks more to how your life has changed a little bit, Mr. McLeod. But yep, yep. Uh, I know from my side, I've had to really redesign 
all of my therapy materials and come to a better terms with my home life and work-life balance, uh, that's been nuts. What's been one of your big takeaways that you've seen change for for you just personally or therapy-wise or... Uh, I think the biggest thing is kind of a, you know, a rise in social anxiety. I think that's really been a a major, major issue. Uh, A lot of these kids really regressed socially and it's not just social skills. It's, you know, social reciprocity, it's social relatedness. It's uh, so many aspects of uh, putting yourself out there and uh, you know, having more of those extroverted uh, uh, habits uh, we, you know, you really see a lot of kids that are really enjoying being by themselves, not reaching out, not, uh, not putting, the, not joining as many extracurricular activities, mm-hmm. not participating as much in class, not really having the coping skills because they were kind of on their own for so long, uh, you know, in their safe home environment, you know, being out and being around people is definitely taking some time. One of the, the the things that I've noticed that you, you mentioned it, the, the lack of extracurricular. So my day job is at the schools. And what I've noticed is that the parents that are at home want their kids to be more involved in the socials. And the parents that are at school want their kids to, you know, like, hey, we've exposed you just enough. Why don't you come on home? Yep. I mean, we've also done the scouts thing for my oldest, and that has been a huge bummer this year, trying to navigate online scouts and trying to get together when we can, when we're masked safe and outside. So we've done it three times in the last 10 months. Mm, yeah, it's, it, it's <laughs> we gotta, we gotta keep hoping that things continue to open up and things continue to get back to normal. Uh, hopefully this summer, you know, things are looking good in terms of the vaccine, but uh, we, we really need to, you know, extracurriculars, I feel like should be mandatory in some schools. Uh, you know, kids staying after school and doing some unstructured, non-academic things. I think that's going to be really important. So my question is, how does this hurt or, I mean, how do we look at going forward? So if you said we've got a bunch of kids that maybe have redefined their social interactions for a whole year, and you're the executive functioning guy, how do we integrate our students to come back into person? How do we effectively reteach attention skills or waiting? Because when you're at home, there Mm -hmm. is no wait there. You know, my oldest is in the background playing a game because he got done with his homework or he got done with his schoolwork and he doesn't have anything for another half hour or 45 minutes. So how do we teach that going forward, because I know we're going to be the ones that look are looked at as as quote unquote experts. I think the biggest thing is we got to take it slow. I think you know the first couple of weeks it's okay not to have homework, not to have big projects, to do more project based learning. Uh, there was just a huge study uh, that came out that shows the benefits of project based learning. I posted about it on my social medias for Grow Now Therapy project-based learning over traditional learning. So the more that we could set up the classroom for social interaction, for informal, not so much of just the listen, take note style of mm-hmm. American education. Uh, I think I think the more project-based learning we can do, the more we can take it slow. Uh, if teachers have the opportunity to 
take their kids outside and you know go on some nature walks or go walk around the campus they can do that i think creativity is at its key right now and mental health is the number one thing that teachers should be looking out for not grades not academics not homework those, those sorts of things of course if you're older and you're like an ap style teacher you of course have some <laughs> things you got to follow but the number one thing is we want these kids to acclimate be safe feel comfortable around their peers again feel comfortable within the school building uh that's the most important thing you know going from a year of zoom to all of a sudden being back in person and you know kids worry about how they look how they how they're how they're perceived who's talking to them who's not talking to them who they're sitting next to these are all the things that kids worry about when they go to school who do i sit with at lunch who do i you know uh who likes me who's my friend who's not uh we want this to be a seamless transition so you actually brought up an interesting thought and I, I've had this or an interesting comment. I've had this thought for the first semester now. I think it's interesting that our shift has gone from busy work mm -hmm. to creative mandatory work. I saw a post from a, a teacher friend of mine and her son is middle school kid and their science teacher had them dissect a whole raw chicken at home instead of doing the frog or whatever it is in the school system. And, you know, like you go into the store and get the chicken and they talk about the de-skinning and all that stuff. I feel like if there is a positive that could be said for the education system, this shift from busy work to, I don't even know how to call it, better education. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I feel like that's been such a huge, huge improvement for for our kids. Yeah, uh, I, I I definitely agree with that. I I think uh, you know I I think now that this pandemic seems to be I don't want to get I don't want to get ahead ahead of myself. It seems to be com you know coming towards an end. We do see the light at the end of the tunnel. I think we're going to be able to look back and see some of the positives that came out of it. And I think one thing is maybe before the pandemic we were getting a little complacent with our educational model mm -hmm. uh, and what we were expecting of students in terms of workload, in terms of the style of teaching, in terms of how heavy we are on academics and not executive functioning skills, not social skills, not life skills, uh, those sorts of things. Uh, I think this is going to be a good opportunity for us to reframe how we teach uh, why we teach, uh, what works for kids, what doesn't work for kids. I think it's going to be important for us to drift further and further away from the uh, lecture, take notes, listen model, and get kids more up and moving and involved. Well, and that always made me laugh was the, you know, we, you know, I, I'm watching what my son is doing. And it's like, okay, so he's got about three and a half hours of actual work to do each day for school. Mm -hmm. And then if he was in school, what is he going to do those th other three hours? I mean, like, and it makes me feel like we need to get back for the younger grades, like fill those three hours with what you were saying, those socialization time, you know, an extra recess, an extra free bell to read. I mean, I'm not asking for video games in the classroom, but if, if we can distill everything down to about three, three and a half hours of actual learning time, that yep. gives kids a three hours a day to be kids at school with peers. Exactly. And, and, and that's really the most important thing is the more that we can teach our students to work in a team, 
to work with kids that they have nothing in common with, build relationships. Because that's one thing I've noticed with a lot of kids these days is they're so obsessed with, I can only be friends with people that I have things in common with. Uh, you know, we, there's a lot of rigidity and a lot of black and whiteness with social skills. Uh, you know, we have to start teaching social reciprocity. Mm -hmm. We have to start teaching mental flexibility. We have to start teaching the importance of partaking in non-preferred tasks. Uh, I, I think the more that, you know, there's so much uh, research and so much knowledge now on the importance of executive functions. You can have an IQ that's through the roof, but if you can't initiate a non-preferred task, if you can't persist, if you can't self-regulate, self-motivate, you're not going to go anywhere. You're not going to be employable. Uh, and that's the most important thing is we need to, uh, uh, you know, obviously there's a lot of things going on in the, in the world these days in terms of, uh, you know, the, what makes someone employable and what allows someone mm -hmm. to be in the workforce. So I, I think the most important thing that we can do is kind of tailor our education towards the students that we're serving. Uh, you know, if you look at American education today and what it was 50, 60 years ago, it's pretty much exactly the same. Uh, so we need, it needs to evolve. I almost wonder if we're looking forward, what can we pull from this from as therapists? And I've realized that my therapy time has become too much drill and kill over this course of the pandemic and not enough teaching of the soft parts of language. So the critical thinking and, you know, we get so bugged down into tracking goals versus uh, allowing the kids to kind of naturally grow in the therapy setting, or at least I've noticed I've been doing that. Yeah, um, you know, I've always been a big proponent for uh, SLPs and a big advocate for SLPs, you know, like, mm -hmm. I, of course, I'm, of course, I'm biased, but right. uh, as an know, SLP, work, exactly. But the work that we do, I really truly believe in my heart that we're doing something right. And we, we got it right. The way that we focus on rapport, the way that we mm -hmm. focus on relationships, the way that we focus on executive functioning and social skills and literacy and these sorts of things. And the number one thing is the way that we individualize for each yep. individualized yep. student. We never take a one size fits all approach. Uh, that is something that I think the rest of the education world can learn from. And I think uh, if, you know, if we take a positive outlook and we see that, you know, the powers that be do look to reframe education from, uh, you know, no, from, you know, uh, the common core and all the stuff that was put, put into place years ago, I think SLPs can really be a leader here. And, and what we do to serve our students is what many other educational professionals should be doing as well. I agree. I agree. Mm -hmm. We want to hear from you at home. Head to our website, speechsciencepodcast.com. Email us, speechsciencepodcast at gmail.com or give us a phone call, 614-681-1798. Mike, another terrible transition, but based off of what we were talking about, the most recent article, uh, in, I'm sorry, not a most recent article, but this is coming from December of 2020 in the Journal of Speech, Language, and Hearing Research. It says... Uh, or the title, the title is Taking Language Samples at Home, Feasibility, Reliability, and Validity of Child Language Samples Conducted Remotely with Video Chat Versus in Person. And what I loved about this is ultimately, it doesn't matter. We're getting just as good of language samples through video chat that we are in person. 
Absolutely. Uh, this was a really, really good article. Uh, I'm sure Matt will post the link somewhere, mm -hmm. but this is a really, so it's called Taking Language Samples Home, Feasibility, Reliability, and Validity of Child Language Samples Conducted Remotely with Video Chat Versus In-Person. Uh, and this is uh, this is really interesting. Uh, so language samples are one of the greatest tools we have as, as SLPs to measure vocabulary, language elicitation, just overall engagement in a session. You're like, you, you know, not only are you testing language skills, you're testing engagement. You're testing, yep. uh, you know, how much the child participated. How you can you can almost even track how productive the session was. Uh, and when we transitioned from in person to virtual, many many parents. Uh, obviously, we're like, oh no, I'm 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 turning that down. I'm going to wait until the pandemic's over and only do in person. And yes, there are some students that will do better in person. Yes, I get it. But for the vast majority of them, I would say almost 90, 95 percent, there really is no difference between an in person session and a and a teletherapy session, especially when it comes to my executive functioning uh, school age students. Uh, but in, in private practice, you see it. Uh, where, you know, if a parent is paying privately, they feel like they're not, you know, getting their money's worth with a teletherapy session. And clinically, of course, I totally disagree with that. I think mm -hmm. there's really no difference. If anything, you're saving gas money from coming to the clinic. Uh, <laughs> but, but, but in general, you know, my, these teletherapy sessions are highly engaging. The students are in their natural environment. They don't got to come in and get comfortable and acclimate and that little back and forth and, you know, they don't explore the environment. They already know what the environment is. Uh, and these sessions, these teletherapy sessions are, I'm going to be doing this forever. I'm doing, I'm going to do this post COVID. Uh, and these sessions are highly productive, highly engaging, whether it's language, executive functioning, articulation, whether it's early intervention, high school, college. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we've really found something positive here. Uh, and the fact that there's really no difference in language samples uh, is is further proof that the students are talking, they're engaged, they're comfortable. Uh, there definitely is that bit of generation gap there between parents and kids. Parents tend to be, uh, kids tend to be more comfortable on technology than their parents do. Uh, you know, these kids that are growing up with iPads, phones, Nintendo Switch, mm -hmm. uh, giant TVs, uh, really, you know, portable computers, all this stuff. Uh, for, for kids to hop on Zoom, it was almost a seamless transition. Uh, so, you know, if we're working on speech and language goals, yes, uh, social groups do tend to be better in person, but I've been on a lot of really good social groups on the computer. Uh, but, you know, in terms of productivity of a session and the ability to work on a goal, whether it's an IEP goal or a private goal, whatever it is, uh, Zoom is, uh, you know, Zoom sessions, teletherapy sessions are uh, highly productive. So the way they did this study was they looked at the systematic analysis of language transcript software, the SALT software, uh, and all research assistants had to um, meet an 80% accuracy on three consecutive practice samples before uh, beginning transcriptions. And uh, they found out that the reliability between those that transcribed it was in the range of 82 to 98% which is in the reliability uh, of published studies of toddler language samples. Um, and what they did was they also knocked down any sample that had poor audio quality. So I think this helps us going forward as therapists. When we talk about those kids that 
are the medically fragile kids, the ones that we would send the school-based home, school-based SLP into the home uh, previously to do therapy or the itinerant kids that had a hard time coming in. I think this allows us to serve kids in districts or in rural areas, or even, you know, that person that has had the stroke, if they've got the software at home, just an iPad that we can FaceTime or whatever we follow for, for HIPAA guidelines, this allows us so much better opportunity. Cause I know as a home care SLP, I'm driving some days, I'm driving an hour and a half to go see one person way out in the middle of the boonies, out in the middle of nowhere and doing therapy with that person and then driving another hour and a half back to go see my next patient where now I can see that person anytime that works in their schedule instead of saying, okay, Saturdays at 8 a.m. is the time I can see you because I have to be back over here at 10 o'clock to see somebody else. I, I Studies like this allow me to see what we could do as a, as a therapist instead of seeing the limitations, and I love it. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree with you. Uh, this, this teletherapy is absolutely here to stay. Um, and just like I said before, if any, if anyone can make it work, it's us SLPs. No one, no one thinks on their feet. No one has the improv skills. No one has the relationship building skills mm -hmm. as us. Of course, I'm biased. I'm sure there are some good OTs and PTs out there, <laughs> but, uh, but I, I completely agree. You know, it, it's us that can make this work. How has telepractice affected your clinic let us know head over to our website speechsciencepodcast.com email us 614-681-1798 when we return a uh a catch up on what we talked about last week uh, about the elections and then we'll check in with what asha may be doing right and our news headlines and we'll send you on home you're listening to speech science This is the story of a very special woman. Just a few knew about her superpowers. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources at aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. And now for our regular research review, brought to you by the Informed SLP. The Informed SLP releases a monthly newsletter that brings you plain language reviews of only the newest, most clinically applicable research, keeping you up to date on advances in the field and saving you tons of time. So let's get to it. It's not your problem, or is it? This is a review of the article, Nutritional Intake and Meal Composition of Patients Consuming Texture-Modified Diets and Thickened Fluids, a Systematic Review and Meta-Analysis, published in Healthcare. 
If you're a medical SLP, you've probably wondered how thickened liquids and texture-modified diets affect overall nutritional status. If your grad school was like mine, you probably had no idea. So you went on your merry way and continued to treat in the best way you knew possible. Well, that era is over, thanks to Wu et al's systematic review. Why should I care? This is out of my scope. But don't worry, we're not planning a hostile taco over of the field of nutrition. We have enough on our plates, but pass the guac anyway. A computer programmer should know the effects of changing a line of code when writing a software program. A chef should know the effect of high versus low heat when cooking a nice juicy steak. And an SLP that specializes in risk assessment arguably the most important part of dysphagia treatment planning, should know what happens when they're prescribing a treatment for an issue, even if that treatment is compensatory, aka thickened liquids or texture-modified diets. We know that quality nutrition can affect overall health status. We've even got a related and more this month. So understanding the impact of the treatments we're prescribing can make a world of a difference as we strive towards the best treatment possible. Have I convinced you? Good, now let's get on to the fun stuff. Let's not burrito around the bush. Texture modified diets. Nutrition can be discussed in a few ways. There's the overall energy component, calories, macronutrients, like protein, carbohydrates, and fats, and micronutrients, the reason your mom told you to eat your greens. With regards to caloric intake, the majority of studies included in this systematic review demonstrated that patients who consumed a standard, regular diet had better caloric intake than those on texture-modified diets. With regards to macronutrients, protein intake seemed to be less consistent with some studies showing no difference between regular diets and texture-modified diets, and others showing increased protein intake in regular diets. The same wasn't true for complex carbs and fat, though. These two areas were significantly lower for patients on texture-modified diets. And finally, we have micronutrients, and those on texture-modified diets had lower intake of iron, zinc, calcium, magnesium, vitamin B1, B6, B12, vitamin D, vitamin E, folicin, and in better news, fortifying texture-modified diets did improve overall nutritional intake, as did the use of shaped texture-modified diets, i.e. providing the diets that are molded to look like recognizable foods instead of just being slopped on the plate like you're visiting K&W cafeteria. Another interesting fact, location matters. Compared to long-term care residents, a lesser percentage of hospitalized patients were able to completely finish texture-modified diet meals compared to long-term care residents. In those cases, the treatments that improved overall nutritional and hydration status the most were to offer small but frequent meals, molding the texture-modified diets, improving the consistency of texture-modified diets, and fortifying the meals. Jalapeno business, thickening liquids. Unfortunately, the data on thickened liquids is a little more depressing. Pretty much all of the studies show that patients on thickened liquids had trouble meeting adequate liquid intake to meet hydration needs. The data on free water protocols were inconclusive, 
Some showed improvement when patients were provided free water, and others did not. Pre-thickened fluid did seem to improve overall fluid intake for those on thickened liquids, as did the provision of supplementary IV fluids. One more interesting fact, researchers found that patients on a texture-modified diet consumed less liquids, even if they were also on thin liquids. It's not exactly clear why that is. Perhaps the modified diet affects how much liquid they consume, or maybe there's something about a patient who needs a texture-modified diet that makes them consume less fluids. Definitely something to pass along to the physician so that they can keep an eye out for signs of dehydration. So taco big or taco home? Obviously, there's a lot that we can do about this area as SLPs, but you can work with your nutrition department to implement some of these changes. This is also something to keep in mind when you're educating patients and their families on texture-modified diets and thickened liquids. Maybe staving off the problem before it becomes one. Definitely an area to talk about. Thanks for listening to this review. If you're interested in more, come visit us at www.theinformedslp.com. Tell us how you put the research into practice. Or find us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at The Informed SLP. Welcome back to Speech Science, episode number 138. I'm Matt Hott, joined by Mike McLeod. What's up, buddy? Hey, Mike. I always wait for that what's up. I love it. So last week, Michelle and I talked about the new ASHA elections, and it looks like there's only one candidate for president and vice president and all these other things. And we lambasted it on air because we said, yeah, that doesn't seem right. But now michelle has reached out and i'm sure michelle will have more words on this next week but the review process is still up so that's why we're hitting it and i'll have the link down in the show notes but basically uh they are no longer putting up multiple candidates it's the board of elections or the group of electors pick the candidate they feel is the most qualified and then they put it up for a 30-day review by all slps and Evidently, we voted on this, and it was approved. Mm, interesting. So, you know, we're not voting for the president. They're, the board of uh, the electors have decided who our president of ASH is going to be. Wow. How do you feel about that? Uh, I'm, uh, Dude, if we voted on it, I didn't know that's what we were voting on. But I feel like – I feel like – I don't know. How do I feel about this? I don't like it. That's how I feel about it. Mm, yeah. <laughs> well, the, the question is, is what percentage of SLPs were actually voting? Well, and that was 4%. So exactly. yeah, you're right. So, you know, we, we had our podcast where we would always talk about all the different people and give information. And we had, you know, millions upon millions of listeners listening to that so uh so i think you know we did our best to advocate for these people and get people to vote uh but you know you can also say you know asha sent out the emails talking about the people you know what else could they have done to let people know that there was more to be done 
not much. I mean, they've been doing it too. Yeah. Okay. Well, when you put it in a, a light like that, I guess it does make sense, but I still don't like it. I don't like that they're taking away. I don't even know if they're taking it away. I just, I just don't like it. Yeah. It uh, feels it, weird. It feels weird. It should definitely be, uh, it should definitely be in the, uh, in the SLP's hands. We should definitely have more of a vote. Uh, I think Asha probably should have looked a little bit more within and said, what can we do besides sending out an email blast? What can we do? You know, should they be mailing something home to the addresses of all the people that have ASHA cards and mm -hmm. are ASHA certified? Should they be mailing, you know, should we be doing mail-in ballots? <laughs> you know, the, those sorts of things, <laughs> you know, oh, there's, there, there, there had to have been something else they could have done to go from 4% to 50%. Right. Well, they didn't. So now we get one person and we'll have the link below. So you can go tell Asha if you agree or disagree with their single person that they've decided for the Asha presidency, I guess. Uh, yep. On the flip side, let's look at something Asha is doing right. And Mike, have you seen that they now, have you ever messed with their uh, toolkits that they have put up there? Oh yeah, absolutely. So there is now a new one for guidance on alternative payment models. So uh, this works out well, especially like you got Medicaid gold, Medicare gold, you've got alternative payment methods. So it's just a nice little cheat sheet, especially for folks like yourself who own the private practices or take private pay, how to accept payment. So good for Ash for finally putting that out there. Yeah, I like that. That's really cool. And the way we always wrap it up, we like to hit the news headlines. I got three headlines for you, Mike, and I want your opinion on them. Let's and then it. we'll go into the details. So blind react. Those are cool with the kids these days. Blind react. Let's Headline, Bill would fund private special needs education with public dollars. Whatever, anything that takes money into special ed, I'm all about it. Uh, I don't know what i don't know if i, I would need more information that's why it's but, a blind react mike it's a blind hey, react anytime i hear money going towards special ed count me in here we go in montana the house thursday advanced a bill that would let special education students attend private schools using public education dollars under house bill 329 public money tied to a special uh, education child would go into a savings account to reimburse parents on a private education cost uh, i love this um it says families need flexibility in non-pandemic times. Challenges our students face right now demand even more flexibility. And listen, I'm a school-based SLP during the daytime. And I would say 95% of all schools do their best. Mm -hmm. But sometimes the private schools can offer more for your student. And taking those private school or public school dollars to, to help that private school student I, I don't see as a problem. I mean, it does hurt my budget as a school-based SLP in the future, but ultimately I'm in this for the kids, not necessarily my checkbook. Well, what we what we tend to see, the first thing that pops into my mind is public school SLPs with massive, massive mm -hmm. caseloads. Mm -hmm. uh, and if there's one student that has significant needs, uh, sometimes it's best for that student to go to a private school where they have more manpower and more funding to serve that student. Uh, so, you know, is this, is this, a, is this a matter of, uh, you know, funding and training and those sorts of things, or is it a matter of public school SLPs being overburdened? 
Uh, our second headline, Mike Blind React, Alabama man embarks on 10th 50 state mowing tour for autism awareness. Okay, I'm, I'm all about it. Get 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 creative, uh, do what you gotta do. Uh, if it involves a mowing tour, uh, obviously he's getting the word out there if you were able to find this headline. So I'm, I'm all about it. Go for uh, it, dude. I love it. It's called weareraisingmen.com slash autism tour. Uh, and what they do is uh, he, I can't find his name. What is his name? I just had it. Rodney Smith. Uh, what he does is he tries to find one lawn in each state to mow to help raise awareness and money uh, for autism. So in 2021, if I can click to open it, I can't open the window. Here it is. And it looks like he comes into Ohio for myself. Ohio is not listed yet. So there we go. Okay. Pennsylvania, it looks like he is looking for a lawn to mow in Pennsylvania. So I like it. Mike, do you have a lawn? I do not have a lawn. Uh, I'm here. I'm here, here in Philly. Nothing. Nothing but brick. I will have uh, the um, link to we raise we are raising men.com, uh, down in the show notes. Our last headline for you to to blindly react to, Mike, Education Secretary on when all schools will offer in person learning. They haven't decided yet, but Mike, do we ever go back to all in-person learning? Uh, yes. You think yes, so? We do. Yes. Yes, we do. Uh, I think our kids deserve to have snow days and bad weather days. Uh, obviously, you know, you have to monitor that and, and all those sorts of things, but that's <laughs> things that need to be happened. Uh, but yes, school, we, we do go back. Uh, if there's, if there's specific needs, where kids need to be online. I think we should be able to individualize that for them and, and make it happen. But yes, I do think that we're gonna 100% go back to normal. I, I think we will go back in a version, but I still think that we will always now have virtual learning as an option. Uh, I think that we have proved that it works and I don't think that we will ever see it officially all go away. Maybe I, I'm pessimistic or optimistic. I don't know if that sounds bad or good, so. Oh, Mike, that's the show for this week. What are you doing next week? What are you doing this week that is not therapy related? Oof. Well, I'm besides getting... keeping a baby alive. Yes, that's the that's the number one thing. Uh, the, the, uh, the second thing is I, I got a couple of emails from a couple of people that I'm going to be a guest on their podcast. Ooh. Uh, so I'll be a guest on there. I'll be, be interviewed by them. A couple of people that just follow me on Instagram. Which podcast? Uh, um, one is like parent partner, the parent partner podcast. Another is Dr. Karen's podcast, okay. which is coming out soon. Make sure you uh, so get yeah, our show so... link that mentioned there. Oh, of course. <laughs> I'll be wearing the, I'll, I'll wear my speech science shirt and I'll be good to go. That is awesome. Uh, for me over the next week, besides keeping my three children alive, uh, I've got a whole list of projects to do around the house that I want to try to at least get started or finished. Um, over spring break. I replaced the toilet yesterday. So that is something new that I've learned to do. So. Not bad. Not I know, bad. right? Yeah, that's impressive. Oh, as always, you at home, check out our website, speechsciencepodcast.com. Check out the Discord, discord.speechsciencepodcast.com. Uh, we had a few new people log in this week. So it's starting to finally grow, which means we may actually maybe offer up a free t-shirt or something. I'll do a, I'll do some kind of competition on on Discord. Also, thinking of t-shirts, merchandise.speechsciencepodcast.com. Uh, what did I miss? Hashtag SSPod. Hashtag SSPod. You got it. We didn't have any, uh, we purposely didn't have any shout outs or due processes this week, but make sure you send those 
our way. Our intro music was Please Listen Carefully by Jazar. It's licensed under an attribution and share alike license. Our bump music is the County Fair Rock, copyrighted John Deku. Uh, at the break, the informed SLP's music was At the Count by Broke for Free. It's licensed under a Creative Commons attribution license. Also a big shout out to the Meredith Herald for partnering with us for that. We love having their stuff on air. And our closing music is The Slow Burn by Kevin McLeod. It's licensed under a Creative Commons attribution license. In the immortal words of Janice Wright, always be a willow. The oak will crack in a storm, but the willow will bend and return to form for the willows. Michelle Wintering, who is not here, Michael McLeod, and myself, Matt Hot. Until next week, so long, everybody. Bye. Science is edited and produced by MWH Production. Please follow Speech Science on Twitter at Speech Science PC and like our page on Facebook. For more original podcasts, please visit exceptionaled.com and rate and subscribe to our podcasts anywhere you get your podcasts.